After a rough finish to the month of May in which the Orioles lost back-to-back series at home, the O's needed to get back on track, and they did it with a series win in San Francisco this weekend. And I'll break it all down coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, June 5th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles series win in San Francisco as they took two out of three on the road against the Giants to kind of get things back on track to open up the month of June. And I'm going to get you the three big takeaways from the weekend, including a couple of right-handers pitching very well for the Orioles, their depth being tested and coming up big, and the bullpen looking much better when they finally got some regular rest. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB to get 10% off your first month. So let's jump right into it. Orioles win a series over the Giants, taking two out of three in San Francisco this weekend. Some late night games. Hope you stayed up for them. If you didn't, that's why you're here with the podcast to hear what happened this weekend. Well, on Friday night, the Orioles won it 3-2 to two to take game one. Kind of a stinker on Saturday. They dropped that game 4 nothing to even up the series. But the Orioles go out and really grab the rubber match on Sunday, winning that one 8-3. O's had lost back-to-back series for the first time all season as they lost two out of three to the Rangers and the Guardians at home last week. But the Orioles bounce back with a series win. Now 37-22 and on the season. I'm going to get you my three big takeaways from the weekend. And my first big takeaway is this. Dean Kramer and Tyler Wells were really the reason the Orioles were able to win this series in San Francisco. Now, Kyle Bradish was the starter sandwiched in between, and he kind of had an odd start, only going four innings in the loss on Saturday. He did have five strikeouts, but he only threw 79 pitches and was pulled after four innings. It was kind of odd. Jim Palmer was mentioning something with his arm, although he looked healthy. We'll obviously monitor that as Bradish's next start comes up next weekend. However, I want to focus on the two really good starts from the weekend. And it starts with Dean Kramer, right? Friday night, Kramer returning, you know, where he grew up in Northern California. After an amazing month of May, you know, I gave him the Orioles Cy Young Award in May when he had a 2.45 ERA in his five May starts. And he just continued to get things done. Dean Kramer, six innings, two runs on five hits with six strikeouts, two walks, and a home run allowed. That was on the first pitch of the game that Kramer threw. Lamont Wade, hashtag he a terp, hit one into the water in right field, the 100th splash hit in the history of Oracle Park. Kramer, though, threw 100 pitches, ERA down to 4-4-3, and hey, only six hard hit balls on the day. Not too bad either in six innings. But for Kramer... It was his sixth consecutive start, so all of May and now this first one of June, in which he's gone more than five innings and has allowed three runs or less. Now, none of these starts have been absolutely dominant and amazing, but that kind of consistency, you know, always pitching into the sixth 
and always giving up three runs or less. When you have a team with a good offense and a good bullpen like the Orioles do, that gives you a chance to win every single time out. And you will take that every time from Dean Kramer, especially when you're not relying on Kramer to be one of your top two pitchers. When he's three through five in the rotation and you feel like you can get that every time out, that is huge for a team, especially a team trying to make the postseason over a long regular season. Now, what Kramer did once again was just mix his pitches, but I will say the one thing that was a little different, Dean Kramer's changeup was firing on all cylinders on Friday night. Kramer in total got 12 whiffs on 48 swings against the Giants hitters in his 100 pitches. He threw all six pitches at least three times, but really it was that changeup that got four whiffs on nine swings where he was facing a lot of lefties in that Giants order. The Giants have a really diverse and deep lineup where they have an ability to kind of throw a lot of lefties at a righty or throw a lot of righties at a lefty. They can pinch hit, they can platoon, they do a lot of different things. Kramer didn't care. He goes at the lefties, he gets them, and he gets through six innings. And the four-seamer was good once again. I mean, he was up to 97 with it multiple times. He was sitting 95. The changeup was great. He was using his cutter, you know, to get some strikes. He was using the sinker. Didn't really throw the breaking ball as much. Just seven combined sweepers and curveballs. But it didn't really matter. Stuff was good again from Dean Kramer. And you love what you see out of him. Yeah, he got a little bit of help. You know, Anthony Santander making that great throw to the plate to throw a runner out. But... Kramer just kind of rolled himself through those six innings and gave the O's a chance to win. Tyler Wells, though, actually didn't pitch as deep into the game on Sunday as Kramer did on Friday, but he was a different kind of dominant. Tyler Wells in Sunday's win, five and a third innings, two runs on four hits. He struck out nine batters, a new career high for Tyler Wells, and walked two, did give up one home run. That was the swing that took him out of the game. It was a two-run homer he allowed to Blake Sable with one out in the fifth inning. That was the final batter he faced as he matched his career high once again with 102 pitches thrown, but he lowers his ERA 3.29 on the year, just four hard-hit balls. One of them was that homer. And Wells, he's just he's a different pitcher than he was last year. And it's so interesting because, you know, his ERA is turning out kind of similar. I mean, it's a little lower than it was last year, but it's kind of similar, but he's doing it in a very different way. If you remember last season, Wells talked about how he was kind of getting away from the strikeouts. He wanted to throw more strikes early, not really walk guys, get some ground balls, some pop-ups, some lazy fly balls, and pitch deep into games. And he would pitch six, seven innings. Well, now he's going back to the stuff that he used as a reliever in 2021 when he was really dominant in the second half of the season. It's more strikeouts, it's more change-ups, more breaking balls, mixing pitches more, and it's leading to him not pitching as deep into games, but it's also leading to more strikeouts and more dominant outings, and I'm okay with this at this point from Tyler Wells. Now, you'd like him to at least get through six every time he does it, but nine strikeouts is nine strikeouts, and Wells went up there and just dominated these hitters. I mean, 13 whiffs for Wells on 44 swings, including just a devastating changeup. That was really the theme of the weekend for Orioles pitchers. Devastating changeups. Wells had seven whiffs on the 14 swings he got against the changeup. It was his third most used pitch on the night. Also got five called strikes with that pitch, which means it was in the strike zone too. They were putting the ball in play against the changeup, but with not any hard contact really at all. Again, was using the four-seamer up in the zone, 92 to 94, getting swings and misses there. Just mixing the stuff, and the Orioles clearly had a plan against Giants hitters. It was to not throw as many breaking balls and go more fastball changeup. And that's probably why 
Bradish actually struggled on Saturday because Kyle Bradish thrives when he can throw more breaking balls than anything else, and that's what he did. But it seems like the Orioles had some sort of scouting that, hey, the Giants are going to be on breaking balls, and so let's throw a lot of change-ups. We even saw Kyle Bradish throw nine change-ups, but it worked for two out of three starters, and the Orioles got two out of three, and that's what you're always trying to do, especially on the road. But for the Orioles, you know, they got three starters who have been in the rotation pretty much the whole year in Kramer and Bradish and Wells to start. But in the lineup, things were a little different this weekend because the depth was certainly tested. I mean, we knew the O's would be without Cedric Mullins. They're going to be without Cedric for a little while longer. But they had some other guys go down this weekend and then had some guys step up. And we really learned a lot about the depth of the Orioles order in these three games. And I'll discuss that a little further coming up after this. But first... This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. Now, eBay Motors, you can think of them as really just like any championship team out there, right? Because for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. So the Orioles take two out of three from the San Francisco Giants on the road this weekend to snap the two-series losing streak they had ending May and started June off with a Series W and talked about the starting pitching, how good Dean Kramer was on Friday and how good Tyler Wells was on Sunday. But really what showed in this Orioles victory this weekend, both on Friday and Sunday, was just the depth of this lineup. Because first and foremost, the Orioles were without Cedric Mullins once again, and they're going to be for a bit here. But they also lost some other guys. Gunnar Henderson left the game on Saturday. Henderson, who had the biggest swing of the weekend so far, had that solo home run in the seventh inning on Friday night that put the Orioles up 3-2, to two, ended up being the game-winning hit in that game. And it was a monster blast from Gunnar Henderson. The hardest hit ball of his career came in the seventh inning on Friday, 110.7 miles per hour off the bat, traveled 410 feet into right center field for a solo shot off Logan Webb to give the Orioles a 3-2 lead. That was just a huge swing right there for Gunnar, and it was his only hit of Friday night's game, but it was a big one. But then you go into Saturday, and Gunnar's back in the starting lineup, as he should be, as the bat is starting to come around, and he strikes out in his first at-bat, and he's a little upset, and then the next half inning, he feels a grounder at third, throws to first, and Masson broadcast shows him grimacing a little bit, and that was it. Next inning, Ramon Arias replaced Henderson at third base, and he was out for the game. Now, the Orioles called it a little bit of lower back soreness and tightness, and Brandon Hyde, which actually made me feel a little better about the injury, did say after Saturday's game that 
It's something Henderson's been dealing with over the past few days, so it wasn't anything new that came up in Saturday's game. Now, Henderson was not available for Sunday's game. Hyde said that he might be available before the game, but it ended up being he didn't play. O's do have an off day here on Monday, which should help, so hopefully he's back in the lineup in Milwaukee on Tuesday night, but we will see. But with Henderson out, they even had to dig deeper, and Arias played the rest of the game Saturday. Listen, O's didn't score in that game. Arias went 0 for 2. Orioles had 5 hits. It wasn't good. But then they flipped things around a little bit more at third base on Sunday because, unfortunately, before Saturday's game, Danny Coulomb, who pitched a great inning Friday, and we'll get to that in a bit, was placed on the bereavement list. Now, we didn't get any word about why, but all the best to Danny and his family there as he goes on the bereavement list. But the Orioles, who obviously had Josh Lester on the taxi squad with them in San Francisco, instead of activating another pitcher, they activated Josh Lester to the roster for the first time. Now, Lester had been great in AAA this season, tore things up in spring training, had been a power hitter in the middle of that bat, you know, 12 home runs in Norfolk this season. And so what do you know? Lester doesn't play on Saturday, and he's only 0 for 5 in his big league career. He never had a big league hit. And there's Josh Lester in the lineup, playing third base in the Sunday game, hitting seventh as the Orioles go for a series win. And what does Lester do? probably comes up with the biggest hit of the day for the Orioles. Came to the plate with the bases loaded and two outs in the third. Now, the Orioles had already rallied for three runs in that inning against Anthony Desclafani, and Lester works the count full. He's fighting, and on the ninth pitch of the at-bat, he drives a slider into right center field for what should have been a two-run single, but then the Giants kind of fumble the relay throw, and Ryan Mountcastle, the third run, comes around to score, and all of a sudden... Lester clears the bases with a single and makes it 6-0 Orioles in the third inning, and they would not look back. And yeah, that was his only hit in a one-for-three day, but that was a huge swing for Josh Lester for his first career hit. And Arias, rightfully so, did come in later, had no for one, but finished the game at third base defensively, as he should. Much better defender than Josh Lester is. But that was huge, too, to see Lester step up. And you got these guys filling in, and I, I already mentioned Cedric Mullins. How about Aaron Hicks so far? I mean, I did say it when the Orioles signed Aaron Hicks back on Tuesday after they put Mullins on the injured list. I said it. Listen, he can still play defense. He can still run. He's still got a great batter's eye. But I said the bat is cooked. And it looked cooked in New York over the last few years. It hasn't been cooked so far for Aaron Hicks since joining the Orioles back on Tuesday and appearing in his first game on Wednesday. Hicks in four games, five for 11, a triple, an RBI, three walks, and just one strikeout. For Aaron Hicks, and he had a big weekend, made a great kind of spinning catch in center field on Saturday night. Friday night, drew a walk and scored a run in that game. Ended up being a, a big run early in the game in that two-run second for the Orioles. Mentioned the Saturday game where he made the catch, also had a single in that one. And then on Sunday, kind of put the game on ice, had a two-for-four with a walk and an RBI. Had an RBI triple in the top of the ninth inning that gave the Orioles just a little insurance and a little extra cushion. I mean, how about Aaron Hicks with a 5-for-11 so far in an Oriole uniform? And he's not going to be Cedric Mullins, and he's not going to hit 455 for the entire time that Mullins is out. But if he can give him any production, he's still walking, he's played good center field so far, and if he can hit even a little bit, that is a huge plus for the Orioles. I mean, he's basically relegated Ryan McKenna still fully to the bench. Now, I think McKenna will play against left-handed starters because he can still hit lefties. But we're going to see a lot of Aaron Hicks as long as his back can continue like this. And that's huge for the O's. And then you got even other guys out there, right? Like with Mullins out, you get a lot of shuffling going on 
in the lineup. And that leaves, you know, maybe a few more chances for a guy like Ryan O'Hearn, who ends up getting the start at first base on Friday night. Orioles gave Ryan Mountcastle the day off. And he goes one for three, comes up with an RBI single in the second inning of that game. Then he gets the start on Saturday as well, plays right field, has a double when the Orioles tried to rally in the eighth inning, ultimately didn't score, but went one for three with a double in that one. O'Hearn continues to swing it well. I mean, he's hitting 286 with an 843 OPS. He's been great. You know, Orioles just picking the right spots for Ryan O'Hearn, and it's working out. They picked the right spot for Josh Lester. It's working out. They're picking the spots for Aaron Hicks. I mean, heck, James McCann homered on Sunday, right? Like, he gets his usual Sunday start behind the plate. Adley Rutschman DHing, ho hum, goes two for five with a double. But James McCann, a rocket of a home run, also drew a walk and scored two runs, had a solo shot in the sixth that put the Orioles up 7 nothing. was just kind of a, a laser beam out to left field. And, and he can get into one sometimes, and he can drive the ball to the outfield. I mean, Matt McCann-Homer, 104 off the bat, 418 feet and a solo bomb. I mean, you got these guys stepping up for the Orioles in the lineup because this lineup is going to look different. I mean, you, you know, you look at that Sunday lineup. Frazier, Rutschman, Santander, Hayes, okay, but then Hicks, Mountcastle, Lester, McCann, Mateo. Doesn't actually, actually you know, inspire a lot of confidence. You, know, you got Hicks and O'Hearn at the bottom. On Saturday, you got Hicks, O'Hearn, Arias, Mateo at the bottom on Friday, I mean, you talk about that Wednesday lineup that had McKenna, O'Hearn, and Hicks in the outfield. The O's are going to have to try a lot of different combinations here with Mullins out, and they may miss Henderson for another day or two more. Like, whatever it may be, the O's are going to have to try some things here. And so far, what they've been trying, it's it's generally been working. I mean, since they lost Mullins, they've played five games without Cedric Mullins. They've scored eight runs in three of those five games. Now, the other two games, three runs and zero runs. But scoring eight runs three out of five times, you're going to win a lot of baseball games like that. And to do it without Mullins at the top, very, very impressive for the Orioles. So hopefully Brandon Hyde and this offense, they keep pushing the right buttons and they can continue to move forward and kind of just keep themselves afloat until Cedric Mullins returns. But I would say, you know, besides a good starting pitching, besides those bench guys stepping up into bigger roles in the offense, the other huge thing for the Orioles this weekend was the bullpen. The bullpen had a great weekend. After kind of a disaster, right, in their last game, the, the bullpen day on Wednesday, the loss to Cleveland. And what it really showed for my final takeaway is that, you know, this Orioles bullpen, it is really, really good. They just need the regular rest. And they need to be put in good spots. And when they are, they thrive. We'll talk about that to finish off the pod coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, with BetterHelp, you can use it to just spend some time on yourself and think about yourself. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. Never take a minute to think about what you need from yourself. Well, therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Now, I've benefited from therapy. I know a lot of people I know have too, and it can help you out as well for whatever you're going through. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, 
H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on MLB. So the Orioles take two out of three from the San Francisco Giants over the weekend, get rewarded with an off day here on Monday before they go to Milwaukee this week. They've got three games against the Brew Crew, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday afternoon. And remember, you can catch all three games of that Orioles and Brewers series. You can catch the hometown Orioles broadcast every pitch of it with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Orioles. And when you're listening to those games, potentially this week, listen for a more rested Orioles bullpen because there will be an off day here on Monday and hopefully they'll be rejuvenated for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And what we saw on Friday, Saturday, Sunday after the O's had the off day Thursday is the bullpen was well rested. And my third and final takeaway from the weekend is that a rested version of this 2023 Orioles bullpen is really, really good and is still of many have called it a top five bullpen in all of baseball. Now, Wednesday was a disaster. Don't get me wrong. They tried the bullpen game. It did not work. They lost 12 to eight to Cleveland and lost the series. I've harped on it again and again. And I was even more upset when on Friday, the Orioles, I, I, I still can't believe it, right? They call up Bruce Zimmerman on Friday. And when you think about it, it's just like, wait a second. You had Zimmerman available. They had scratched him from his Thursday start in AAA. So he would have been good to go to, I mean, even not give you, you know, five, six innings, but start and give you bulk on Wednesday. And then if you have Zimmerman and Voth, you've got two bulk guys. Well, they didn't do it. Zimmerman came up Friday replacing Michael Givens, who clearly was not okay. Givens goes back on the injured list. This time it's right shoulder inflammation. Remember, it wasn't an arm injury that had him on the IL to start the year. That was a knee injury. This is shoulder inflammation. That is not a good sign. Givens did not look right. I'm worried about him coming back by the All-Star break even. I don't even know if that's going to happen. But they add Zimmerman. And yeah, was I upset thinking, well, he could have been here on Wednesday? Of course, and he should have been. But beyond that, the O's got the day of rest on Thursday. And then on Friday, it looked like a different bullpen. Dean Kramer goes six innings. Gunnar Henderson hits the homer in the top of the seventh. Orioles go up three to two. And here comes Danny Coulomb. Danny Coulomb was ridiculous in the bottom of the seventh inning on Friday. After, yeah, he was, he, he did throw a scoreless ninth on Wednesday, so he wasn't the guy that had struggled. But Danny Coulomb gets the day off. I mean, the stuff was unbelievable. I mean, nothing put in play with the three strikeouts. He gets five whiffs on six swings and he was throwing everything the Giants they had no idea no idea what to do with what was coming from Danny Coulomb it was ridiculous and so he goes one two three they turn it over Yenye Cano and now Cano you know did have a a little bit of trouble just just a little bit of trouble on Friday night okay he's starting to regress to the mean it's certainly happening he's still been very good but he's regressing to the mean, and he got a huge play, huge play by Adam Frazier to start a double play to put up a scoreless bottom or top of the 18th, top of the eighth inning, I should say. And then in comes Felix Bautista, and although he did allow a two-out double that got the tying run to second base, Bautista strikes out the side in the ninth, looking good with the multiple days off. 
getting six whiffs on eight swings. I mean, it was 13 fastballs out of 16 pitches. He was just firing, you know, 98 to 100 past the Giants hitters like it was nothing. They are a good bullpen still when they're rested. But really, I would say the rest of the weekend really showed me what the bullpen can be. Because, you know, on Friday, they got six innings from Kramer and they go to... The guys that right now I would say it's tough between Baker and Coulomb, who's the Orioles' third best reliever. But you could argue Bautista, Cano, Coulomb, three best relievers. All had at least one day of rest. Bautista and Cano had two days of rest going into that game on Friday. So pretty easy to go there anytime. Boom, boom, boom. You're going to get that W. But even on Saturday, after Kyle Bradish only goes four innings, which was kind of odd, yeah, Keegan Aiken struggled when he came into the fifth, but Brian Baker comes in, gets him out of a bases-loaded jam, in the sixth, CNL Perez goes two-thirds of an inning scoreless, although he didn't really look amazing. It looked better. And then how about Bruce Zimmerman? I just mentioned him coming back up. Yeah, he was pitching in a 4 nothing game in the seventh and eighth innings, but his 2023 Major League debut, two scoreless innings, two Ks, one hit for Bruce Zimmerman, and I talked about it, you know, when I was mentioning last week that Zimmerman could come up to pitch in the bullpen game Wednesday. He hasn't thrown that many fastballs anymore. Now, he did throw eight fastballs out of 28 pitches, but also eight curveballs, seven changeups, five sliders. He doesn't throw that many fastballs. He's ditched his four-seamer completely. All the fastballs are now sinkers, and the off-speed stuff plays pretty well. And so a nice job by Zimmerman to, although the offense couldn't wake up at all and the O's lost 4 nothing, to keep that game at, you know, 3-4-0 and keep the offense in it. And then on Sunday, Tyler Wells goes five and a third. And how about Mike Bauman? I mean, Mike Bauman comes out there, inning in two-thirds. Now, he does allow a run, but no hits because he walked one batter, and that batter came around to score. But he gets a strikeout. He throws 28 pitches. He does not allow a hard-hit ball in an inning in two-thirds. That was really good from Mike Bauman. He was really heavy fastball. I mean, 21 of his 28 pitches were four-seam fastballs. He was just kind of humming it in there, 96-98, and he was getting the outs he needed. And then the O's did turn to Yenye Cano, who did give up an extra base hit and allowed that run to score that was charged to Bauman, but Cano gets them through the eighth inning as he continues to do, even as he regresses to the mean a little bit. He's getting outs. His ERA is at .87. And then I think the big one that sums up all of this stuff about rest for the bullpen was the last pitcher to pitch this weekend. O's up 8-3, to three, bottom 9, and they go to Austin Voth, who hadn't pitched since the bullpen game Wednesday when he threw two and a third, 60 pitches, and was not effective. But now he's on regular rest. He's in a role that he's been in most of the year. And what does Voth do? Sets down the Giants 1-2-3 with a strikeout to close out the ninth, close out a win, and close out a series W. And that's the other thing. Like, yeah, Voth was a good starter last year, but he's been a reliever all of this year. So then you throw him into kind of a bulk role Wednesday. He's not really used to that. Back in his regular role with good rest. 1-2-3, boom, boom, boom. One of the best outings of the year for Austin Voth. So I hope everyone, after watching this weekend, Pump the brakes on thinking this Orioles bullpen is cooked. There's nobody good but Bautista or Cano. This Orioles bullpen is easily a top 10, and I would argue legitimately a top 5 bullpen in all of baseball. But when starters are only going 4 or 5 innings every single night, and other bullpen guys are letting up runs, and they got to go to Cano and Bautista all the time, and they're always you know not available because they're working back-to-back days, that's when you see cracks in the bullpen. But when the starters help them out, And listen, an off day Thursday and then an off day here on Monday certainly helps. But when you utilize those off days and then your starters are pitching well and pitching deeper and you can spread guys out and pitch them on regular rest, this bullpen, as they showed this weekend, 
really, really good when they just can get a little rest. Sometimes they haven't been able to breathe this year. Just never a chance to take a deep breath. That happened this weekend, and it led to a series win over the San Francisco Giants. But that'll do it for today's episode. Big series win for the O's and a much-deserved day off on Monday as they travel from San Francisco to Milwaukee. Probably got there last night, honestly, and they get to spend a day in Milwaukee in the city, and then they are back to the field on Tuesday. But before that, I am back with another episode on Tuesday. It'll be a mailbag episode, so you can send in your questions at Locked on Orioles on Twitter. You can send them to LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com via email. You can leave them right here in the YouTube comments, or make sure to rate and review the podcast on Apple Pods. And after you give a five-star rating, in the review section, leave a mailbag question. We'll answer them on either tomorrow or a future mailbag episode. But again, I am back tomorrow. Then the rest of the week could get a little iffy now. We're going to have five episodes this week. We're going to be doing the mailbag and then covering the three-game series against the Brewers. And then at the end of the week, I'll preview that series coming up this weekend in Baltimore against the Royals. But I will be traveling a bit this week, so just bear with me. Again, we will have five episodes this week. But bear with me a little bit just in terms of posting times. It may not be the usual, like it's right up there in the morning on YouTube and audio. Things may change a little bit. You'll see my background, if you're watching on YouTube, is going to be different as I'm in a hotel room recording probably not the Tuesday episode, but the rest of the episodes this week. So just bear with me there. Still going to get you. Still going to be watching the O's. Still going to be getting you this Orioles content here on the pod. And again, that starts when I'm back tomorrow for a mailbag episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.